Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is Reconcinimation. I am John Diner. And I'm David Munchak. And this is the show where we take a look back at our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and we check out how they hold up today. Uh, are you ready to dial your way back machine? Your way, way back machine, David? Oh, we we got to go so far back this time. Yeah. I almost can't remember. Wait, yeah, I can remember. What? Click it to spring... Let's just say spring 1997. Okay. Click, punch okay. it in. Yep. You there? Got it. Yeah. Yep. And, and here we go. And whoa! Oh my God, Spice whoa. Girls! Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say Spice Girls. <laughs> Tupac's D- dead. D- oh my God! What happened? Biggie. Biggie, right? Also dead. Yeah, also the, dead. Like a month before. Yeah, was was it Tupac first? It was Tupac first, wasn't it? I can't it? remember, and I feel bad for not remembering. I think it was Tupac first and Biggie later. It was a tough time. Could have that flip-flopped, but yeah. please forgive me all. I feel Biggie was second. That's what I said. Okay, right. We're on yeah. the same page. So, But also, wow, boy, what a time. 97? It's Fun spring, times. Springtime in the northeast of, of the United States. You and I both were. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a good time. Springtime in the Northeast, beautiful, yeah. beautiful weather, gorgeous. Coming out of those cold, I don't, I don't think that winter was that bad. Winter but the one before that was the oh. really bad one. Yeah. Well, there was yes, a couple blizzards. Yeah. Tough times. Yeah. But uh, uh, skies were blue. The, Grass the, is green. The, <laughs> the birds were chirping. <laughs> it was a, it was a wonderful time where the next, the upcoming. Years, yeah, we're looking bright for. Oh moments, yeah, right. That was well. Sp- spring of '97 was was a very good time in my life. Sure, uh, this was the, my uh, senior year of high school, getting ready to graduate. Mm-hmm. I had taken uh, some extra classes, so that spring semester I had way less classes than normal. Mm-hmm. So I was always done by like I think by 12:30 I was like done with school. That's always shocked me. I never went to schools like that. I don't understand that. Like you're. You just disappear for half the day, or yeah. the end of the day, you're done with class, you and, and just go home. Like, yeah. what? I don't. Like, no, school is a prison you are assigned to go to. Well, now, I mean, <laughs> I don't think you could do that now, but uh, yeah. back then it was like no one even would knew where I was. It was just if you're not in class, they That's how could they track you? Right. That's not where you needed to be. So what? It, what? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy to me. But you know. High school graduation right around the corner, mm-hmm. going off to college soon, mm-hmm. some crazy parties, great friends, mm-hmm. lots of good times in this uh, yeah. time period. I'm working at Suncoast Motion Picture Company. Mm-hmm. Can I get any better? I don't... Why, you peaked. I think that was... <laughs> it was all downhill after <laughs> you that. You peaked there, man. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, I was... Uh, strangely, you are, you should be in my grade, but you're, you never I were. Know. yeah. So I was about to enter high, senior year of high school, and I think it was the first time of feeling real, true independence, uh, a, a semblance of that. Yeah. I mean, I was driving, sure, and had been, and I had been working. I was working at a bar. I was a bus. I was a busser and a barback. Nice. Making good money, staying out late, lots of adults drinking. Um, I wasn't drinking or anything like that, smoking, all that stuff. But I was around all of it. Mm-hmm. And um, you lived yeah. a, a wild life. That, no, that's as wild as a guy I got being <laughs> around other people who drank and smoked in, in while I was in high school. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I remember feeling like uh, anything was possible when you 
when you're about to enter senior year, it's kind of like you're the you're the big dog. Yeah, you're the big dog. You're in charge. Yeah. You're uh, you don't have to worry about the older crowd anymore. You're uh, yeah. You're the kings and queens. It was weird. It was a, definitely a weird thing. Like freshmen in the high school looked at you a little differently than yeah. even when you were a junior. Yeah, it was like, a weird feeling. Like you, you were serious, a yeah. serious king. <laughs> Things changed. We had, you know, my high school class, and we just had one of our reunions last year, which I'm right. sure I've talked about before. But yep. we all got along. Uh, we, you know, whatever problems people had, which were many, seemed to like kind of just kind of dissipate senior year into our senior summer. Mm-hmm. And everyone, most everyone was like, kind of let everything go, was having a good time. Mm-hmm. There were, it really felt like all the cliques kind of disintegrated and everyone was just hanging out together and people were crossing all kinds of group into groups that they would never have been before. And it was very, it was really, it was a nice way to end it. Okay. Because yeah. it was, it was not such a great way, most of the, or a lot of the way through mm-hmm. for some people. Mm-hmm. But um, I felt like it ended on a positive note. And then all of our get-togethers and whatever reu- reunions we've had from my school have all been pretty good energy for the most part. Great. So, That's you know. cool. You're all good friends. Yeah. Everyone's pals. Happy ending? That's fun. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Senior year was good. We all, we all kind of got along. It was a small class. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think the smaller the class, the easier that is to yeah. happen. But. Yeah. No, and I think certain things melted away, certain you know, animosities and, and all of that. And, you know, I think it all ended pretty positively. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. But, but I haven't gone to, the, we didn't, we didn't, we never had any formal reunions. I think our tenure sort of happened and then it, it was just ended up like a bunch of people at a bar and it wasn't yeah. even like a thing that was planned. And then, um, just, it, it just dissolved. My high school doesn't exist anymore. It's all gone. Yeah. It's yeah. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not everybody cares about the reunions, and we've had a couple, and uh, yeah. we had a ten and a twenty, and I was uh, involved with both of those, and they're both really good times. The ten year was a lot more formal. The twenty year was a, was much more relaxed and kind of chilled out. That's great. But uh, you know, all this talk about reunions, Ooh, and we boy. were talking about it before. <laughs> yeah, got me thinking of the movie we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Gross Point Blank. Gross Point Blank. John Cusack classic. With Minnie Driver? Minnie Driver, Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. Alan Arkin. Good stuff. Oh, yeah, Arkin. Yeah, don't oh, don't you forget about Arkin. <laughs> Alan Arkin's fantastic. <laughs> Joan Cusack as well. Uh, yes, yeah. Always fun to see her. It's always good when the Cusack uh, siblings team up. Yeah, which happens a lot. Which, yeah, did. And well, did. Then, then it didn't. And, yeah. Well, they're great. <laughs> um, Joan's, a, Joan's lovely. When was the when was the first time you saw this movie? I feel it, it was either summer of ninety eight, okay, or summer of ninety nine. Maybe VHS. I, yeah, it was still on VHS. Um, I borrowed it, I think, from somebody, or I could have rented it. No, I feel like I borrowed it, or my brother had borrowed it from somebody, and we had it. And um, I, I think I'm confident I watched it. It was those summers, you know, the summers after senior year or freshman year of of college uh we didn't have anything to do and i'd be up late until like three in the morning every night yeah <laughs> i mean i worked but then i'd always be up oh yeah. if i wasn't working i'd still keep those hours you didn't need to sleep in those days no but when but when you did sleep you slept for 11 hours yeah exactly <laughs> and uh but I, I i think this was one of those just late night like the lights are off i'm just I'm watching something and um 
yeah, I watched it one night, and honestly, I was not like that big of a fan of it. Like it was good, like, but I kind of couldn't really gel with mm-hmm. the ad. You know, I couldn't understand John Cusack's character all that much. I mean, I'm in high school, or right, just you out. A, you weren't a hitman. I wasn't a hitman. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't. And it just the whole thing of like leaving someplace and coming back to it was not something I was aware of. I was always always in one place. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so it was this, I don't know, it's just a strange movie for me. But I thought it was good. It was funny. And um, But seeing it, and then I watched it. I haven't really watched it until I prepared for this podcast. And my outlook has changed. Yeah. Interesting. I have, I have a different opinion. Yeah. I uh, When I saw it, uh, it was. I saw it. I don't think it was opening weekend, but I saw it in the theater. Theater boy. Uh, on a on a date with someone that I was was not supposed to be on a date with. Oh, <laughs> is it because she was with someone else? Quite possibly. Yeah. Or you were with someone else? No, because it was uh, not me. But... Okay. <laughs> yeah. Rife with scandal there. That was me. Um, yeah. So we. I saw it in the theater, and at the time it came out, I had already. I already knew that I was going to be leaving New York and going uh, to New Mexico, and yeah. And so I think that what you were feeling, I was like the opposite of what you were feeling. That I already knew what what was on the horizon for me, which was leaving. Mm-hmm. So I could kind of already see where he was coming from with the whole angle of coming back to it. Sure. Um, but this was the first Cusack movie that I really fell in love with. Oh. I hadn't seen, like I had seen a lot of his smaller movies or, or mm-hmm. movies that he had smaller parts in. Yeah. Like stand by me and, uh, eight men out the journey, yeah. the journey of Natty Gan, I think was the first movie I ever saw. Him I never in. saw that. Um, and a movie called Money for Nothing, which was not a great movie, but uh-huh. I think that was the first movie I saw where he was like the lead. Oh, really? And uh, so I wasn't really wildly in love with him or anything till this, and then I was I was all in with him. Oh, cool! <laughs> yeah, um, just totally like I I was a big '80s fan. Mm-hmm. So the 80s music and the soundtrack in this movie was definitely jived with me at the time. Sure, yeah. This was like right when I was really getting into it. Yeah. And uh, I loved his character. I liked his performance in it. Um, the whole movie kind of jived with me. So, mm-hmm. um, and it was a good, you know, it was a good transition movie. I identified closely with this movie and it was good to... Uh, I don't know. I'm always. I was always kind of attached to material things. Movies being one of them. Like owning movies. Yeah. Like yeah. own. Yeah. So having this, like going into college, it was like I was kind of like clutching. It was one of those things I was like clutching onto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and when we got to college, we would all kind of gather together in our dorm and throw something in that we had like a com- you know the common room. And we would throw movies on, and I had the most movies, and uh, we, you know, this was one of those that got thrown in, and we all kind of like bonded while we were watching yeah. this. So got it. Yeah. So you went there, and you're like, you, you, you this was part of your proud, proud me- member of your collection. Yeah. Proud entry. That Boondock Saints, kind of <laughs> probably. That <laughs> Boondocks. I don't know. <laughs> that seems like a movie up your alley. Am I wrong? It was like th- it was weird. It was like this <laughs> and Goodfellas oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know a couple other things. But uh, I saw Goodfellas uh, my senior year of college for the first time. Really? And I was surprised how much I liked it. Wow! That was quite good. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we don't have to do that episode <laughs> for an episode. 
um but yeah so what else is going on at this point in 97 what's the state of uh american the uh, american film oh i don't know um well why why don't you tell me (laughs) you know it's just prior to spice world spice world's on its way everything everything revolves around that yeah (laughs) you have to bleep me there (laughs) um no we're just coming out of the whole pulp fiction Really, we're not even coming out of it. We're still kind of in the thick of the whole pulp, post-pulp fiction yeah. uh, element. Mm-hmm. Because that just... Pulp fiction... I would say, arguably, pulp fiction was the most influential movie of the 90s. Sure, yeah. That's probably quintessential 90s, right? I mean, it it changed everything after it. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many... Mm-hmm. so Not just the way movies were made... Uh, genres were being merged, you know, you, and this is one of them. This action, comedy, drama, you know, kind of morphed the way Pulp Fiction did. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the gangster element becomes even. Gangsters were always portrayed as like either serious, like in the Scorsese movies, mm-hmm. or like bumbling buffoon types. Mm-hmm. And. He, you know, after Pulp Fiction, they get a little more uh, flushed out, become a little more realistic, mm-hmm. and not just cartoon characters, really. Okay. Um, like in, like in what? Um, well, like this, you know, like this is one where he's not a gangster, but he's in that world of of criminal world, right? Um, and he's a sophisticated character. He's got a lot of depth. He's not just. Uh, one note hitman, mm-hmm. and this kind of really explores that. That's he fair. gets into their psyche. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Things to do in Denver when you're dead was another movie that I really liked that that took that Tarantino style um, and just kind of kept going with it. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, we wouldn't have Pulp Fiction without Reservoir Dogs, right? Like, the, well, yeah, the, like yeah. those guys are right. kind of probably sort of, I guess, the transition period, right? And then. Pulp Fiction really hammers it. Like, well, yeah, Reservoir we, Dogs wasn't as big new. of a movie. I mean, it yeah. was. It didn't have the release Pulp Fiction did. It was just a like introduction to Tarantino, and then yeah. Pulp Fiction capitalized on it. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. Because you had guys who like Bruce Willis who saw Reservoir Dogs and fell in love with Tarantino and were willing to risk it to be in a movie with him, mm-hmm. and that just exploded. And it was the right time. I think you know we're ready for something different mm-hmm. and new and he was all of that i mean he tarantino was so refreshingly uh unlike any other filmmaker before that okay uh and the way he would mix you know he would reference and use elements of movies that he grew up with obscure things in the 60s and 70s a little bit into the 80s and kind of merge those and take themes uh, and even visual stuff and, and use that in his style. And it was like nobody had done that before. Yeah, he it's like truly mashing up things in a, for a mainstream audience. Yeah. Bringing things that, you know, haven't been seen in years, right? Yeah. And then, or, and certainly, and when they were seen, we're not mainstream probably. Like, depending, you know. It was kind of the beginning of the, the whole nostalgia craze in a way. Uh, well, probably in... Because a lot of his stuff is like, Nostalgic for the things that he loved when he grew up, and he yeah. was really capitalizing on that. I think he made it okay to be nostalgic, and mm-hmm. certainly younger people were 
uh, spending more money, seeing more movies. Like, you know, in the 90s was clearly like the time where teen, teens in the 90s probably had more money than teens in the 80s mm-hmm. and going backward. So maybe, yeah. To, cap, to capitalize more on that kind of on the nostalgia thing. But it's cyclical. I mean, when I was in high school, the 60s were all the rage. And now these days the, like the 90s are the rage oh, like 90s and we're gonna we're literally gonna get a 2000s uh nostalgia very sh- oh my god very soon and i'll have no idea what the hell any of it means I, me too i yeah <laughs> like, like i don't i don't i was not a 2000s kid i don't know what that this shit is but um yeah so this i think this movie kind of falls in right after that and is um mm-hmm. you know along the s- same lines it's a little it's lighter than pulp fiction Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a more fun version of of that. Yeah, it doesn't have it doesn't have the gravity. Yeah, like I think that's what Pulp Fiction has. It's just there is some there is some heavy drama in there. Oh yeah, yeah, like just pulls you in. And this absolutely this is such a tight little movie. Like this, nothing is wasted in this one. Not that I'm not the Pulp Fiction or anything was, but it's a uh, it's very straightforward. Like you don't have to you don't have time to go in, into deep. Uh, you don't have time to go deep into like certain like the psychology or people's like what's in people's minds or hearts. Uh, it's all very like presented matter of factly. Yeah. <laughs> like this is this is who this guy is. This mm-hmm. is what he does. You don't have to really guess, and you can see how he has affected other people and how he has an effect on people. Yeah. And it's just very straightforward. There's no guessing. You just have, no. It's all kind of right there. You're along for the ride. Yeah. And I like that. But there's, I think that has a lot to do with Cusack, who we'll obviously get into him in a minute. But who? <laughs> Joan Cusack. Oh, right. Love him. <laughs> uh, John Cusack's whole style is that lighter, you know, most of his movies that he was driving the creativity of mm-hmm. don't have that heavy, dark cloud that, you know, a Pulp Fiction does. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's more... Uh, lightheartedness there's more i don't know it's just more fun in it yeah i think you you can take some serious things and i don't know you you just play with it a little bit it's a little light and not everything anything that is serious isn't so dire um and especially if you're, it's like for the audience it's like it's all for the audience to laugh with it's not yeah. like this is such a like a quirky world and he's such a quirky guy for for the la- like for I don't know. He's not trying to impress anybody. His character just sort of is. Oh yeah, that's yeah. just that's just Cusack's way. Like yeah, uh, and it's it's refreshing because there's not a lot of actors like him at all. Like no, a, he's, he's very whole... distinct. But he's certainly and while people know who he is, he's not like he was ever a megastar or anything. He did the art he wanted to do, and um, I don't know. He's just he's, he's someone I think people can be pulled in by because he is sort mm-hmm. of like an everyman guy, but not in that. Blue collar everyman guy. He's yeah. just sort of like a, a guy who kind of I don't know reacts to maybe the world is just kind of absurd and he's just kind of he's along with the ride in his own absurd way. Is that I don't know. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, yeah, yeah you're right though. He's not. Um, he doesn't have those beautiful movie star looks. He he's looks gorgeous. like a, he he looks like a regular guy. Mm-hmm. He behaves like a regular guy. Mm-hmm. While Q, I, I think he was a pretty big star. For a period of time, I guess for like yeah, I would say probably like he he started to become a big name in the late eighties, mm-hmm. and then kind of like went away, and then by like the mid nineties, you know, really this movie, 
into, I don't know, for probably about seven or eight years, I think he was a big, still a big, huge name. Mm-hmm. Not completely like the highest of A-list movie stars, mm-hmm. but he was definitely up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. He led some big movies. I mean, if, you're, if your face is on the poster for Con Air, you're... you're you're big time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he was in a big... <laughs> Which is only a couple months after this. So. I mean, that's the thing. He is He is in, like, what, three or four big action, you know, blockbuster-type movies yeah. in his career. Even though that's not really his bag. No. But well, that in, like, 20... Was it 2012? Or Yeah, 2012 was, I think, was his last, like, really big movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's the other one. But then, yeah, he's always in, like, really good personal... Almost personal projects, just good character work yeah things well know? that that's that's really his thing yeah is is really like get in there with this person and what's going on in their life yeah um take a slice of this person's life and just really get close to them yeah i think he's i think he he's attracted he's drawn to or likes portraying guys that are just sort of um who who kind of uh, have a, a bit of confusion about just what it is to be a human being kind of you know exactly yeah like it's just always like here's a little exploration into uh what it's like to sort of to be in love or to be a despondent youth or to be um i don't know an art an artist like like just like being john malkovich like his character's such an interesting guy oh my god yeah and then that whole movie's just crazy (laughs) and great one of my favorites. Um, but also, you know, he can play, like, he could do the romantic comedy lead, too. And Absolutely. And have a little fun, you know. Well, and that's really where, you know, I guess let's let's talk about, let's go, let's get deep with Cusack right now. Now? Yeah. All right, yeah. If only, if only I texted him to come over to the studio. Do you think he'll make it? Uh, tell where he's coming from, it's going to be tough. I said, we're rolling, you know, you better, be, you better get over tell here. Tell security, just wave him right in. Yeah, yeah. Don't, they know, they know. Okay. All right. Uh but yeah, he starts out in John Hughes movies. Yeah, um, small parts in uh, Sixteen Candles, mm-hmm. and then his first lead is The Sure Thing with Rob, Re- directed by Rob Reiner, which is you know mm-hmm. a pretty pretty straightforward. He does Sure Thing, he does Hot Pursuit, um, mm-hmm. pretty straightforward rom- zany romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Better Off Dead is a movie. I absolutely love. It's fantastic. Um, and again, I didn't. I didn't get into the other Cusack movies, my f- other favorite ones, till after I saw Gross Point Blank. Mm. Uh, about a year or two later, mm-hmm. I discovered Say Anything and Better Off Dead, like kind of at the same time. Oh, really? Um, I love Better Off Dead. I can't wait to cover that movie for sure. the show. Sure. Uh, but that is a bizarre movie. It is really weird. <laughs> it's, it's it's very strange. Uh, I, I watched that a hundred times as a kid. It was always on TV. It was always oh, was it? Always. WPIX always had PIX, it. yeah. This is what drives me nuts is that you got the same channel. I saw One Crazy Summer and Better Off Dead all the time on these yeah. channels, and you just never saw them. I can't believe like, it. Yeah, it I don't know. Why, I don't know what. I remember seeing the trailer for Better Off Dead. <laughs> what? Um, the trailer? Yeah, I don't know like why. On, like in front of another VHS movie? Like. Uh, well, like it was he, on like we taped something on Beta, uh-huh. probably some cartoons or something, and in between, you know, on commercial breaks, I remember seeing the trailer for it, and it was like wow. built around that? him trying to kill himself, yeah. you know, but comedically. Jeez, how do you? How are you like five and a half, six years old and remember? Like remember? I don't know. Why. I don't remember <laughs> that stuff. <laughs> um, 
That's uh, yeah, but better off Ted was a. I was a, I didn't understand a lot of the humor, but a lot of it's very accessible to a child. Like, yeah, and then it gets funnier when you get older. It does. It's still that's that movie still works great today, and and part you know it's very silly, but mm-hmm. you you just love it. There's so many people I know that lo- I have the poster hanging in my office. Mm-hmm. You know that you've yeah, seen it. I've seen it. Uh, I get comments on it almost every day. Every day, yeah. wow! That just... somebody new coming in. Like comments like, like yeah. oh that's an amazing movie yeah. yes it is yes that's why this is here yeah uh, uh, but he does that he does one crazy summer both with Savage Steve Holland as the director yeah there's some drama that went on between them and kind of why that relationship didn't move forward after one crazy summer we'll save that for the better off dad episode but, sure yeah um, then he is uh, he does a lot of you know different movies through the late 80s and into the early 90s yeah. say anything is another you know, fantastic movie for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cameron Crowe, when he's, you know, really still in his creative peak and, and perfect uh, merging with, with Cusack at the time. Mm-hmm. Cause that's, I think, 1989. It is 89. And then after that, he kind of, kind of disappears out of the spotlight a little bit. Yeah. He still, think... he does, you know, he shows up here and there, mm-hmm. but no real major movies. Yeah, I guess so. I wonder. I think it, it's like through most of the '90s. It's it's until Cross Point Blank. After that, yeah, yeah, like he's just sort of a, under he the does, radar. He's you know he's friends with Tim Robbins. He shows up in The Player. He shows up mm-hmm. in Bob Roberts in really small roles. A movie called Tapeheads. Mm-hmm. Um, he is in. Let's see what else. Oh, uh, Money for Nothing, which was you know I mentioned was kind of a he's like an out of, down on his luck guy who stumbles into like a million dollars in cash in a bag and mm-hmm. it's kind of like what does he do with it you yeah. know does he give it back or does he keep it and yeah um not that great of a movie but uh oh, no. and then yeah he does a movie called city hall in 96 and that was the first time i remember seeing him since like you know i i don't know since the late since i guess say anything mm-hmm. that i remember even hearing his name it's mm-hmm. like oh yeah I, rem- I remember that guy Oh, yeah. And then Gross Point Blank kind of follows that up, and then that's then he's back, kind of cementing his star level again. Yeah, he was back, baby. Yeah, after right after that was Con Air. I mean, that came yeah, out. that was about this, three months later. I yeah, think. like he so he's in he's in this like romantic comedy thing, and then a big big budget explosion movie. Well, and I, yeah, I mean, I, I that's not a Michael Bay movie, but it really is. <laughs> like, yeah, like you it's look like at a, it, it's a Bruckheimer kind of yeah. Michael Bayish type. It yeah. it feels like The Rock, you know. It, yeah. it's, it's also starring Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. and it's very um, good. <laughs> is it? Yeah, it's mm. great. Okay. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fun and awesome. Everybody loves that movie. I'm the only one who really hates it. Yeah, like it's really hates weird. It. I, like I don't even find the humor in it. It's just so bad to me. <laughs> it goes past the point where it's bad, like funny bad. It goes oh, it goes beyond funny bad. Yeah, like you love like bad eighties action. I, yeah, I guess which I is bad. Like right. not, it's bad. Right. Like it's not good. Like Jim Cotta. Sure, bad. <laughs> but this is like well done, cool looking action. Uh huh. But you say it's so bad, it's beyond so bad, it's good. I don't. Find, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't really. It should be more entertaining. I, it's visually more engaging. It's more thrilling. I'll give you. Vision. I love all that stuff. I'll, I'll give it's you great. some of those. Yeah, just for me personally. Yeah, like 
the it just it doesn't i don't find it funny like i don't find well, it's I don't supposed get, to be funny well it's I know. not a joke but i don't get any entertainment out of it why i don't know why it's so what's weird. wrong with you i could watch hard ticket to hawaii 800 times and uh-huh. you know laugh all day long but con air i, I think, just i, don't I know. think you don't understand what the action genre actually is <laughs> You're like it's if it's not hilarious, it's not an action movie or, or any good. All right. <laughs> I, but I, anyway, but Con Air yeah. is the movie that really that that's the movie. So Gross Point Blank comes out and, and he is brought back to the spotlight and it yeah. does fairly you know fairly well. Yeah. Uh, good attention for him. But Con Air is what really cements him as like oh he's like a star again. Yeah. Like remember remember how much and you know he's not like a lead but he's got that supporting role or he's he's, he's he, got a strong supporting role. Yeah. Enough yeah. to be on the poster. Yeah. Well yeah he was he's still a name. You know, yeah. he's still a, a guy that you could help set, sell tickets. And I wonder if Gross Point Blank had failed, if you know, if he would have been pressed, you know, pushed as hard on the on know. the uh, advertising. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure it's not, Gross Point Blank wasn't a huge movie necessarily, but no, but it did well. It did fine. Yeah, it had a it had a good word of mouth. You know, but yeah, then this this yeah this these two movies I think kickstarted just like the a, a resurgence. Yeah. John Cusack and, resurgence, and then, <laughs> and then he's kind of like riding at that level for, yeah. you know, into the two thousands, probably mid two thousands, before yeah. he feels like he opts to step back and start doing some smaller scale, a lot of smaller scale movies, mm-hmm. a lot of lower budget. You know, some of them are are his traditional stuff, where they're really like personal pieces. Mm-hmm. Like there's a movie called, called My My Martian. Martian Child, I think. Martian. Oh, Martian right. Child. Yeah. Or is that what it's called? I thought that's what it was called. It's about a kid who thinks he's yeah a Martian, right? Yeah, but that's a really like personal yeah uh, character piece. But he also oh, does Child, tons right? of these horror movies that after I think he does Identity, he yeah. kind of like keeps doing these horror movies that are like all they're just coming out left and right. Like, how are you even making all these movies and no one's seeing them? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe in Europe they're doing, you know, their, their hits or Japan or something, but like, in the States they're just straight to video. Like that. Well, that 1408 or something. Like yeah. some hotel. But that was a bigger of those movies. That was a bigger one. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked identity. Saw that in the theater. Identity was okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't know what it was going to really be. Like it's, well, uh, they misled you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Intentionally. Cause you can't really market it the yeah. way it is. <laughs> yeah. It's a big, yeah, yeah. It's a total like yeah. right turn. The movie makes, mm-hmm. but um, anyway, a lot of fun. Yeah. But so he's, you know, and then of course, like right after in the, those late nineties, it's like uh, being John Malkovich and high fidelity. Oh, Malco- like, oh yeah. I didn't even talk about that. Like loving it. Malkovich like, is, <laughs> Those are yeah. I mean, for me, the the top Cusack movies are uh, Gross Point Bank, Blank, Better Off Dead, Say Anything, Malkovich, High Fidelity. Yeah. Not everybody loves High Fidelity, right. but uh, I'm I'm all in on that one. Yeah, too. people have a people have a sort of a love it or indifference. I think yeah. to it, but it's a good movie. Yeah, I don't really care for it, but it, that's just me. Uh, one Crazy Summer is... Amazing. You've never seen it. No, I have seen it. No. Uh, people love it. I just didn't feel like the energy was there, maybe because of what was going on behind the scenes. Like, I just didn't you find... You got wrapped up in all the stories. I got all wrapped up in it. I can't I was well. in the middle. <laughs> Steve, John, come on. Let's be pals. <laughs> it's, a, it's a spiritual sequel 
totally. to better off dead absolutely it, and it's same it's the same tone it's the same feel i'll give you that i need to watch supporting, it again supporting I'll give you characters. That. it's so fun we'll sit down and watch it you'll have a good and time. demi moore right demi moore yeah. love interest um it just didn't have the same energy to me maybe joel it was murray, when i saw it but. joel murray bobcat goldthwaite joel murray you've uh you know we're tweeting back and forth. But. Oh, he's yeah, 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 yeah. Curtis Armstrong back in it. Yes, you got Come all on. the elements from Better Off Dead. So there, good. It just didn't to me. It didn't work as well. But <laughs> because they didn't get along with Steve Holland, after. maybe. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um. It's one of those silly, fun movies. Yeah, I, uh, but I can understand. But this is a good, a really good uh, point in <laughs> pun intended uh, in Cusack's career. Sure. Yeah. So cool. Uh, now, the movie itself was originally written by uh, a writer named Tom Jankowitz in 1991. Uh-huh. He, was a, uh, he wasn't really in the business at that point. He was a substitute teacher. He was working at a Big Lots yeah. in Upland, California, and uh, got invited to his 10-year high school reunion and kind of thought, like, oh, wouldn't it be, what would it be like if, I, you know, if a hitman went to his, yeah. his 10-year reunion? So he, he writes this story. I think originally it made its way somehow to Kiefer Sutherland. Oh. And he was interested for a while and then eventually passed on it. I think some of the... I think at the time he wasn't doing really much kind of comedy stuff. Yeah. His stuff was... He was doing movies like Flatliners. Yeah. Kiefer, <laughs> so, has Kiefer ever been in a comedy, by the way? No, nah, I don't I think feel, so. I, I can't like, think of any. I feel like he hasn't. Um, so he you know, eventually passed on it and Cusack got his hands on the script. Mm-hmm. Um, Possibly, I mean, I know him and Kiefer were pals, so I don't know if Kiefer kind of recommended it to him or or what. Mm-hmm. But uh, so Cusack starts, you know, takes it over and starts developing it with his partners Steve Pink and DV uh, DV Vincennes, mm-hmm. uh, who they had done. You know, they were like a writing team together. Mm-hmm. So they started taking Cusack's kind of flavor and injecting it into the script yes. and really making it his and and i think that's really what what makes this movie special mm-hmm. is is the cusack the whole cusack element mm-hmm. i mean if if he weren't the lead of this movie it would be it would be completely different like let's just say Kiefer did it mm-hmm. all of the humor and lightheartedness and the romantic side would probably not be there it would mostly focus on the action and dramatic side right it'd be more dramatic for sure yeah, yeah. but the uh, yeah yeah i agree with you I don't think you can. I think playing to writing to Cusack's strengths changed the movie so much that, like, it, yeah, there's no other movie like it. You can't. Yeah. Ju- you it wasn't. It wouldn't be as written with anyone else in the role. So, imagine Kiefer trying to do the role as we see it, though. <laughs> like, yeah, but like the no sort way. of aloof and kind of, yeah. I don't know. That'd be. I mean, all I see was like Jack Bauer. Yeah, well, yeah. that yeah, everyone's everyone's perception of him has changed. Yeah, like holding a gun as right. Jack Bauer. Like yeah. that's that's because uh, this would have when was when did Twenty Four start? Two thousand one. Uh, I want to say two thousand one. Yeah. yeah, right before nine eleven. I believe. Yeah. Uh, I, that's just a frame of reference that like yeah. give us a weird uh, time of time of in our lives. Um, hmm. But yeah, so they they tailored it to Cusack's style. Uh, they hired a director named George Armitage to direct, and he had done a movie. The only real major movie that I had seen that he directed was a movie called Miami Blues. Okay. Uh, starring Alec Baldwin and Fred Ward. Oh. Great movie. Uh, another real... 
hitman character piece, mm-hmm. which is probably what you know why they went after him for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, great Alec, ba- great early Alec Baldwin role. Uh, if you like, he's a cop or something. No, he's like he's like a, he's a villain. He's oh, a, he's a but he's the lead in the movie. Um, you know, a very conflicted character and uh, just really really strong role for him. And, okay. Um, this was around. I want to say it was around Hunt for Red October. Baldwin. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. right around ninety ninety one. That's when he was still good looking. Well, it's funny because <laughs> you look <laughs> at Baldwin he's... now, and mm-hmm. you look at like the old Alec Baldwin, yeah. and there's definitely like some point in the early nineties when he like gained a little weight, mm-hmm. not a lot of weight, but he he filled out. <laughs> yeah, he filled out, and it just sort of changed his whole yeah silhouette. Like just yeah. everything about him is just he carries himself differently. Like look at him in Beetlejuice. Right, and then the getaway, and those look like two totally different uh, people, and yeah. it's only seven years apart. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> and he sort of maintained that that look as yeah. In the, since then, I guess it was like the shadow around the shadow. He kind of like changed that slicked back hair look, and yeah. you know, yeah, started he's, filling out a little bit. Yeah, he's that's our boy. Yep, that's that's Alec. Alec. <laughs> that's Alec. Um. So George Armitage comes on to direct and, and starts working with the guys and developing the script. Now, when they shot the movie, they did a lot of improv, which oh, I yeah. think was smart. Like, they, they, you know, they have a great cast here, and uh, many of which can improv. They all come from a theater background. Cusack, uh, Cusack and Jeremy Piven yep. knew each other from uh, training at Jeremy Piven's parents' workshop. Yeah. In Chicago, right? Chicago, yeah. yep. Uh, you've been there, right? Uh, I haven't been to the you've been, you, the Piven workshop. Yeah, you ran it for a little while when <laughs> you were in Chicago. But the Cusacks and the Pivens, they're all Chicago oh, guys. Yeah, yeah. Dan Aykroyd, a Second City alum. Uh-huh. Yeah, I guess this whole movie is very Chicago-driven. Very, yeah. Very Chicago-y. Not the band. No. Missed, no. Or that got cut out it, of the soundtrack. They had, they <laughs> a, had a huge musical number in the... <laughs> In the middle of the movie. <laughs> a lot of Love Me Tomorrow uh, mm-hmm. in here. But anyway. anyway. Um, well, that's cool. That that actually makes a lot of sense that maybe they, they had to, f- they knew the sense of the scene and filled it out. I mean, maybe there was a written script, but then play with that. Make, you know, expand on those things. Yeah. There, I mean, there's they, a looseness to a lot of these scenes that, that feel very good. They feel good. Yeah. You know? Like they found it. They, yeah. They found the rhythms. Well, when you have the actors who, or gelling together, you can, you know, you stand a better chance of having some good impro- improvisation come out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and these guys all kind of knew each other. So uh, there's actually, supposedly, they filmed three different versions of this movie. Oh, really? Everything was shot three different ways. And I would I would love to see another cut of this. Like every scene they did, they did it different ways? Yeah. So they... they would do one take at, with the script as written. Sure. Pretty straightforward. They do one a lot more on the dramatic end of it, mm-hmm. and then another take, like, totally high energy, like, really, you know, kind of over-the-top style. Mm-hmm. And the one scene where you can, I feel like you can really see it is with Cusack and Jeremy Piven in the when they're in the car when they first kind of reconnect and mm-hmm. they go for the car ride to the house that Piven's selling yeah uh, there's a lot of like everything's way over the top in that car mm-hmm. and they actually use two of those you, there's a, a 
where he's explaining like where he's like Piven's like hitting the steering wheel and yeah ten, ten years. years and then like, he says I freaked out yeah they do that twice and I think that's two of those takes oh that's okay so it's only meant to be done once right I mean and that's then, I I don't know that for sure but the way it feels is like why would you write that twice right I think there's just for performance they used both takes all right I get it and it really works actually. and it makes sense yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Huh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. That's brilliant. It's uh, an interesting way to shoot a movie. Yeah, so I would love to see, you know, all other cuts of this movie, mm-hmm. like a fully dramatic cut. Like, what would that look like? Yeah. A fully over-the-top cut. And then what was the original script like? Right. You know? Because well, it probably dances that line and goes back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of each. Hmm. Um, talking about the cast... Uh, Great cast, fantastic cast in this movie. Sure. Um, we mentioned some names already. Well, Aykroyd, this is probably, I want to say this is the last great role Dan Aykroyd ever had. Wow. Or to, up to this point. Okay. I mean, can you think of anything else that, uh, I know you love the new Ghostbusters and, and especially his cameo in it. His but. cameo, you know, he did, he, he did a fine job. Um,. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. Like, he, well, he's he's never played a bad guy before, right? And he gets to be a little over the top, right? He gets some. You can tell that he did. You could feel that he did some character work with this with uh, Grocer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he, you know, created a whole. They had a whole background worked out. The whole backstory of who he is and his relationship with uh, Martin Blank. Mm-hmm. Uh, was I think a lot of fun for him, and you can see that. Yeah, yeah, that they had like a like a fun, playful relationship, even yeah. though they're they're easily willing to kill each other over these slights. <laughs> uh, it, it, just playing up that how absurd the whole thing is. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, but wait, I never and I never saw Pearl Harbor. Is Dan Aykroyd in that? I think he is in that. Yeah, I I feel like you've probably watched that. A I've times. seen it, and and I it was like <laughs> I don't need to remember it ever again. <laughs> no pass. All right, I figured you you had it on VHS. I didn't know and it. watched no, it a hundred uh, times. I did own Armageddon, but yeah, I, I yeah, you passed did. on Pearl Harbor. You owned Armageddon. I did. I had Earl all the early. Uh, Michael Bay movies. No, oh, I see. I had Bad Boys. I had The Rock. Bad Boys is I great. I still have The Rock. You should have The Rock. I had Armageddon. Look at you. I think that's where it ended. Armageddon. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but who else? So Aykroyd was great in this movie. Yeah, great. Um, you got Joan Cusack. We, we, there's a few Cusacks in this movie. Uh, the two of them. There's three, there's actually. There's a third Cusack? There's, Tell yeah, me. Yeah, Bill Cusack is in this, and I, I cannot... I. Didn't notice who he actually played. Bill Cusack. Yeah. All right. We'll look that up. Uh, but there's Joan, who had done oh. a number of movies with John. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, you know, unfortunately, they did have a falling out after this movie mm-hmm. and kind of had a parting of the ways. I think they've uh, reunited a few years ago, but there was a, a period of time where they weren't working or kind of having a relationship either. Oh, so. I see. Uh, uh, but she's so much fun as his, you know secretary yeah. partner uh, assistant yeah you don't know exactly what she is but she helps run the business she runs know? the business and like, takes care of him and takes care of everything yeah sets everything up gets you know makes the trend but she just has like those couple scenes on the phone man yeah. she's so especially like when she's on the phone with a vendor or something like <laughs> yeah. that and just screaming at him and then goes flips over to like her call with her like best friend of like i don't know if she was like how <laughs> to make something. a stew yeah like, yeah <laughs> 
It's just it's, it's a great <laughs> great change, a great turn. She's so much so, fun. Joan Cusack is is always so great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, and then Anne Cusack's actually in this movie. Yeah, too. she's the drunk lady who comes up to uh, yeah. them at the bar <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> uh, misidentifies them. I think. Uh, fun. Yeah. So the Cusacks are all over this thing. Yeah. 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 Bill Cusack played a waiter. A waiter. Yes. He played a waiter. Memorable role. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Alan Arkin. Uh, was this sort of? Oh no, I guess he had already done Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I was gonna say I, I don't remember like I remember younger Alan Arkin in like the '60s and '70s, mm-hmm. and then I don't remember seeing him other than Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross up until this. Yeah, and then he's looked like he's had this look ever. He still looks like this Alan Arkin. Like, yeah, guy hasn't. I don't feel like he's really aged that. He's that, a youthful that kind of guy. Thing. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> yeah. It's it's this this bookish kind of yeah uh, new york guy i don't know yeah the, he's the he's a psychiatrist uh, who mm-hmm. doesn't want to be mm-hmm. working with him but yeah. martin blank just kind of forces it still so. mm-hmm. yeah he he's a, when you first meet him and and he's he's actually sort of monologuing his his problems and and it's and he's like and then alan arkin is all like he's just like i'm conflicted here like i you know i have to report i have a duty to report if you're gonna kill if you're gonna harm yourself or someone else yeah uh and, and he thinks he's protected by the doctor patient yeah privilege thing. right and then but then there's some lightheartedness where like uh well martin blanks you know and also i know where you live so yeah and he's like and i don't know if you're serious see that's why <laughs> like i don't know are you serious and even and i think you're supposed to believe he's just kidding but maybe yeah. like could he? i don't know yeah. but it's, it doesn't matter it's just funny it's just a funny bit yeah i don't know well, and you know, I know we should have probably mentioned this before in case there's anyone listening who, if they're listening to this and they haven't seen the movie, we should probably just sum it up super quick. <laughs> so the movie's about Martin Blank, who is a hitman who gets invited to his 10 year high school reunion. He's already kind of dealing with uh, losing his taste for his business, which he's very good at and very successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, decides, and he's also seeing a psychiatrist to try and work through all this stuff. Uh, and then he decides to go to the reunion, reunite with uh, his long lost uh, love from high school, and go back to his roots and find out kind of who he is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's it. That's that's it in a nutshell. You're very good at the summary. <laughs> you didn't even read that. You just I off the dome. Yeah, I yeah. didn't read it. Uh, but yeah, Alan Arkin is great as the psychiatrist, and and it feels like an, a predecessor to, you know, what would come two years later, which is Analyze This and The Sopranos, which are both based on a criminal in that world, a gangster who's yeah. seeing a psychiatrist. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like this was kind of the first version of that. I think not my- to say that they ripped this off or anything, but no. But like, it's like we're let's let's dive in. Yeah. Like, it's like. It, why, uh, why couldn't they see a psychiatrist? Right, yeah. Therapy isn't as taboo in the 90s. It's very hot right yeah. now. Like, let's, let's dive into what makes me well, a guy who is willing to kill people. What do we do with that? A criminal, yeah. all that. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's created a lot of comedic uh, um, opportunities. Yeah. And, uh, and it's funny because, uh, you know, Cusack never seems really threatening to me. No, you'd never know. Yeah, like he doesn't. Honor. He does a good job in the actions. He does a great job in the action scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but sitting in a room with him, 
he it doesn't feel i don't have that intimidation of like this guy could kill me at any minute yeah yeah um that i think you know the doctor is supposed to feel that <laughs> well yeah but i think i think this is he all he just knows the truth about him like, yeah whatever all he's been telling him but yeah no he seems very unassuming and very he's like a normal looking guy yeah and but there's this uh, the all these just like beautiful little quirks like where every time he's surprised he he puts his he puts his hand at his waist like he's, he's all he has to do is just pull his gun. Yeah, someone says his name. And he just yeah, and it's very subtle. Yeah, I mean you notice it, but like the other characters don't under like notice it necessarily. Right. Like so he's just, yeah yeah he's always ready and his back to the wall. Yeah, and he's just always paranoid. I, I, um, and it's not none of this is over the top. Like it all all really works with with the way he brings it. Yeah. Um, who else is in here? We've got Jeremy Piven. We mentioned. Yeah. Who's uh, in a lot of, blood. yeah, a real life uh, at at the time at least close friend of Cusack and yeah. was in a lot of his early movies and mm-hmm. they had you know come up together as actors and uh, they also had kind of a parting of the ways and I don't think they've become I don't I think there's still some heat between the two of them. Mm, okay. And at this point, I don't know if that'll ever change. Okay. Piven's got enough of his own problems. But he's got things going on. He's, sure. <laughs> uh, some other great character actors. Hank Azaria is in this movie. Yeah. Mitchell Ryan is is uh, as uh, Minnie Driver's dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, great small part. Uh, Michael Kudlitz. Oh yeah, Kudlitz. For all you Walking Dead fans yeah. and Band of Brothers fans, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he's great as Bobby Beamer. Mm-hmm. A lot of these people only have like a couple of scenes, but their characters. And maybe it's because a lot of them Im- improv. I feel like the H- Hank Azaria and his and the guy that he's with, yeah, the uh, government agents, really. Yeah, K. Todd Freeman. Yeah, I feel like they're uh, a lot of what they do is improv, and just when they're sitting in the car watching. Yeah, it's just banter. It's just banter. Yeah, going back and forth. Because yeah. you know Azaria can can do that. I mean, yeah, nice. He's funny. Yeah, he's very good. Uh, um, Benny the Jet. Yeah, he played the other assassin. Guy yeah, who's often. What do I know him from? Uh, know well, he's like a fa- super famous martial arts guy. Mm. And he seems very threatening. Yeah, he was a kickboxer, and he was you know world famous. But he trained Cusack, and Cusack was really into MMA and kickboxing, and and uh, he was his trainer. So oh. that's how he got him oh. into the movie. He was his trainer. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, that makes sense. And he was talking about in their fight scene, which we'll talk about this fight scene later, but he, um, you know, how hard it was because Cusack was kind of like really hitting him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, there's some nice looking hits in there. Yeah, because like, I, I think those are a little more real and yeah. snug. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, and uh, let, one other person that I personally know, uh-huh. guy by the name of Duffy Taylor, oh, yeah. who Who's plays that? Ultimart Carl. Oh, the guy that the works guy, at the Ultimart. The guy that works at the Ultimart. That explodes. He is, uh, I've worked with him several times. Mm-hmm. Awesome dude. Mm-hmm. Great guy and, uh, you know, longtime family friend uh, of, the, of the Cusack family. So. I see. Oh, neat. Well, that's how we got in. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. Did we speak really, though, of Mini Driver, like, at length? No, we got to save the one of the best for last. All right, because yeah. I'm like, we're talking about all these fellows in this movie, and I'm like, the main, the other main <laughs> character isn't. Getting a spotlight. Mini Driver is great in this movie. This, I think, was my introduction to Mini Driver. I don't know if that. I don't know what her career was before this. I'm she, sure she's been. The a, only thing I really knew that she was in before was like a very like one scene in Goldeneye. 
Oh, really? She plays she's like a Goldeman? Russian. I think she's like a, a dancer, stripper, or something. No with shit. um, uh, God, why did I just blank on his name? The guy who plays Hagrid. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. you just see her for a second. That there, James Bond's in this club with him, and she's like the singer dancer who's oh, on stage. Funny, I had yeah. no idea. But yeah, I guess this was like her bigger role. Yeah, so this was yeah. Than, like, huh? Wow, Goldeneye. Because what was uh, Goodwill Hunting was later this year. Oh, that's right. Oh, and the thing and is, that's where she was really that that exploded yeah. her career. But I, that's the thing. I and I hadn't seen Gold, Good Real Hunting for twenty years. Like <laughs> so, like just last couple of years, I saw it. Oh so, my god! Like, uh, but I knew she was in it. Yeah, everyone taught, and but no, I never got around to seeing that. Yeah, uh, she's great, and she's another one who does some improv in the in the movie. And mm-hmm. when he first pulls back up into town, and and she's the you know radio dj for the town yeah. for the town radio station and apparently blasting it right into the town square mm-hmm. well that's uh, what you do yeah yeah i guess they do that in chicago there's uh do they really there's like two other it's like right outside the building it's not yeah. like blasting but uh, a couple of radio stations do that yeah so it's a thing i think you would do that in any small town yeah right? okay right outside nothing to really disrupt anything yeah but, anyway uh, but yeah like she her part's really well written she yeah. i can't imagine she improvised a ton of like the mo- like sort of the monologuing or the radio stuff. No, the the big thing she improved was when you know he pulls back up into town mm-hmm. and he walks into the radio station and they kind of stand up and have that awkward like body language and then she kisses him. Uh-huh. That was not supposed to. Oh really? Happen. Apparently Cusack was like in heaven after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um. I think they I think they briefly dated after this movie as well, but her character's great. Mm-hmm. She's I love her. you know she was Debbie. Debbie and Martin dated in high school, and he left her on prom night. Uh, just kind of literally disappeared. No yeah. one ever heard from him again. Yeah, but you're led to believe they were like really in love with each other. Yeah, um, and she was heartbroken that he left her like that and without any explanation. Yeah, it's. It's very, uh, you know, if you think about, like, the, the great loves of high school, you know, uh, all that, most of those don't last, you know. They right. don't – eventually, you know, whether you everyone – you just change because you become adults and or, you know, the long distance thing. You know, high school romances are, are few to survive into adult adulthood. And them being back together in the same town – they haven't they clearly haven't lost those feelings like it it you can you can believe the love without having had having to have seen it like you don't need to get a they still carry it you know absolutely and uh I, I totally buy it well in the world of the story they got to kind of jump past all the like going off to college and going your separate ways and breaking up yeah you know they they because because of the way he left she held on to those feelings you know Mm -hmm. and then he shows back up he still has those feelings too yeah uh and then they're at obviously different much different places in their lives and you know does it still work yeah uh, they think it does they yeah they're ready (laughs) (laughs) um well so yeah mini driver though uh this really works together the two of them yeah they've really got a good energy and Mm -hmm. and you know like i said before ever i think the whole cast does but Mm -hmm. they work really really well together yeah. maybe maybe you know maybe it is because they were dating and they had a real chemistry mm. with each other off camera and mm-hmm. it segued on camera too 
And then she could have she could have once become Minnie Cusack. It's possible. Yeah, it was a possibility, but didn't happen. Didn't though. happen. Yeah. Or he could have been John Driver. <laughs> John Driver. John Driver. This summer, back. John Driver. <laughs> uh, and I, it's it's always funny to hear her in a an American accent because she's yes, I British. Yeah. She's British, I guess. Um, but she's great uh, as an actress, as a performer, mm-hmm. yeah, singer, dancer, comedian. All She's got it all. Big fan. Uh, good work. But the Martin Blank character, where do you, where do you? I don't know. Where do you where do you rank him with uh, with some of Cusack's other roles? I I think he's one of the one of the like I love his character from Better Off Dead. I love mm-hmm. his character in Say Anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the more thought provoking. You know, this may be his most thought provoking character. Yeah. Because he's, I mean, he's all about questioning everything in his life. Yeah. But he's, well, it's like the difference between him, is Martin Blank, and what's his, the, the guy in High Fidelity. Like, mm-hmm. same sort of thing. That That's a guy who had a different different set of circumstances. One's a hitman, one owns, owns a record store. One owns a record store, <laughs> hasn't figured out how to be in love or understand what love is. And, you know, he's got to question that. But yeah. seriously, a little more dramatic and overwrought and emotional in that that character Mm -hmm. whereas it seems like an intellectual exercise more so for martin you know i don't know like it's not like he has like regrets about killing like he still has that moral flexibility he's he has no problem taking a life but his journey is sort of is this all there is yeah like he probably he could just give it up like it doesn't it's 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 almost just like a career change he's looking for well i think i think that's part of maybe Cusack himself is that he's always questioning, you know, where you are in life and where 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 should he be? Is did he make the do the right things? Did he mm-hmm. not? Should he be doing something else? What's the point of all of this? Yeah, um, and that's when he's at his best. Yeah, that's why like these movies, these Cusack movies stand out so much, and your, you know, your identities and your fourteen oh eights and mm-hmm. you know they don't they can come and go. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, but you can do the exploration of what it means to exist uh, in this world uh, with this story and make him an insurance salesman and the movie still basically works. Oh, yeah. It's not that funny. Yeah. But add this layer to it and it's hilarious. It just amps everything up. Oh, yeah. You got a whole nother, with the hitman side of it, you get a whole nother, uh, you know, a whole half of a movie. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's very, it's such a strange thing and somehow it all works. It, um, I don't think they. I don't know if you can make this movie today without someone trying to be a little too over the top about it. Whether yeah. it's the director, writer, performer, just that you'd have to really go deep into what he's feeling or about the the moral implications. Like, yeah, I have a distaste for violent, like violent movies and murder movies. I like exciting action, thrilling action, bad mm-hmm. guys versus good guys. I don't really like murder characters. Um, but I have no problem with Martin Blank because it's it's just kind of this insane, silly thing. That yeah. It's not, I don't know. There's something about it. I have no I have no problem with this movie. Well, how do you, and how do you not like identify with him a little bit at least? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Seeing it today versus when I saw it as a teen, a late teen, a, a barely legal teen. <laughs> so, Look out, um, world. The, <laughs> The difference now is like I can I can more or less relate to Martin Blank, it just as a pu- as a human being. Yeah, 
Um, that's all you need. That, that, that's all the movie wants you to do is connect with another human being. And it mm-hmm. doesn't matter what he does. Right. Uh, in, in, in the sense of the story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. And I, I also feel like his characters, you, you could make an argument. Yeah. Yes. They're all technically different characters, but. Oh, sure. Better off dead. Say anything. And this movie, they're all pretty much versions like of the same person. Yeah. Who have graduated because especially in say anything, um, you know, he's really fascinated with kickboxing. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he, I think he talks about how he could, you know, go off into the military and that might be something he could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and he falls in love with this girl mm-hmm. and they're like head over heels for each other at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Oh. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, you could see like the next day after that, like if he just disappeared, mm-hmm. cut to 10 years later, right. that's basically Debbie. Yeah. And, um, there's a lot of through lines to that. Yeah, the, the, each phase of like this type mm-hmm. of one guy is sort of represented by these three characters. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, I think Martin Blank's important to the Cusack career, like the, these characters he portrays, because there's no one else really like them. Yeah, uh, in film. Yeah, in I mean, sense. and part of it, I, I feel like Cusack's very genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly himself. <laughs> yeah, but he's not. Um, as we talked about before, I appreciate action movies that are, have some kind of element of realism that you can identify with, other than your Marvel stuff. You know, what do you? <laughs> when planes explode, you're like, that's ridiculous. That's ri- that would never. That happen. never ha- planes don't explode. <laughs> but if you get some good dialogue mm-hmm. about who those people are, yeah, before the plane blows up, <laughs> then you're fine. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I, so I don't know. I think that has a lot to do with it. Is him being such a such a genuine? There's a realness to him that, yeah. that works. Yeah, I I like him throughout. I'm a big fan. Yeah, and then the whole reunion element to the movie right. was, uh, you know, everyone has feelings about their own high school reunions, and some people hate them, and some people love them, and mm-hmm. I've gone back and forth about it. Uh, you know, I, I actually in in organizing ours, <laughs> there's like a there's like a subconscious part of me, maybe more than subconscious, that I specifically put this soundtrack into like when I make the playlist that either the DJ or whoever we hire it like <laughs> runs. Like you're gonna play this at this point and this. The play this music from the eighties. <laughs> yeah. At our reunion place. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> like an older cousins playlist for from the, right. when they went to high school. Well, it's like you know, for us, we like all grew up together in the eighties and nineties, so it's okay. To I have mean, you know the music. you know the song, yeah. But certainly, I think the idea is you play the music from the era, not the uh, exactly. Yeah, not, not well, just the shit. The from soundtrack. When you grew up. We can talk about the soundtrack. This is a big time soundtrack. Sure, a lot, a lot of great tunes. Uh, very popular. Wasn't there a couple albums? There was two. Yeah. yeah. And not um, only the Gross Point Blank soundtrack, but even more Gross Point Blank. Even more songs in the spirit of this film, mm-hmm. right? Not yeah. that weren't in the movie? Or no, anything? they were in the movie. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I mean, watch... The, I know you just watch it. Watch it again. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of music. There's almost constant music. Yeah. Um, There's no quiet moments. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a few. Especially in the dance, they really go through like I yeah. feel like there's like ten songs through the length of the dance. <laughs> That's true. They're there for a while. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of segues because there's all these there's all these beats happening. Yeah, and they're, um, ri- and they're riding around on segues. And they're yeah. <laughs> That's right. But each each mini scene in the, in the dance has its own song. Yeah, yeah. So you're really like you're going through them pretty quickly there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the um, the moment with him and the baby. Oh yeah, it's just. I mean, it stands out in the movie, but I, I love it. It's it's like one of my favorite Cusack scenes. Just like mm-hmm. that's so him of just staring into this baby's eyes and like, what is he thinking? Mm-hmm. Is he thinking like, like this poor kid who doesn't know what's going to happen to him in his life and anything could happen or yeah. what happened to me because I was so innocent like that at some point and mm-hmm. where did I go wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, as he's questioning everything in his life. Yeah. He sees this baby that has it all in front of them mm-hmm. and sweet and innocent. And and I think it's also really cements the moment of other than self-defense uh, that he won't he's not going to be able to kill anybody. Yeah. That, that, yeah. He's he's sort of lost that lost it all. Uh, I mean, you know, Bowie, Bowie going over under pressure, under pressure, like, well, top top three song for me. Yeah. 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 Overall, it's just a, a, a perfect tune for that scene. And uh, yeah, you, you see Martin kind of go through that change. I think you're right. That's the moment. It's like this is not the life I want. The, the, the life yeah. I want is here when it's her. It's it's Debbie. It's yeah. not. Yeah. It's actually like. Well, I don't, you know, I don't know if they would say it's here in Gross Point. No. But he's come back to his roots to kind of find who he is again. Yeah, he's, 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 yeah, he goes back to the point and then he starts a new path, basically. Yeah. You know, that's the, the place he left. You know, everything led up to... Imagine, like, he, Martin Blank lived an entire 18 years and then made this choice. And then now we're just seeing him 10 years later after that choice. And yeah. Sort of... He's sort of lucky to get to be able to hit that reset button that she hadn't sure. moved on. He hadn't moved on. He sort of well, it, he's lucky that in that she her backstory is that she did move on. She got married, yeah, true, and yeah. that fell apart. And now she's kind of she's resetting her life too. She's moved back home with her dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, but that is, uh, yeah, they're lucky that they there's both some, happen to have. There's some interesting like coincidences yeah. that let everything work. Out, but it's fine. It uh, you don't in this examination and in, in this absurdness of this film, the coincidences don't really matter. Yeah, I mean, on it, and I, I do like that his <laughs> Martin's character does say of all the dumb luck that his target <laughs> is actually Debbie's father. Yeah, which you had no. There's no. not even a hint. No, there's not even a hint that like he had enemies or as a businessman did something that upset anybody. Which I guess, you know, you just kind of have to roll with it. Well, yeah, I mean, they 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 talk about pri- earlier in the movie that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't take it personally who he's killing. Yeah. Uh, but all of them have done something bad enough to warrant like somebody wanting them dead. Yeah. Chances are you did something to bring me to your yeah. door. Whether but, it's you know whatever the crime is. Yeah. But um, it's not. But it's not even all. Cr- but that's that's the thing. It seemed like. Even Debbie's dad was just a... He's like a whistleblower, wasn't he? It sounds like it. Like, they, it they, doesn't seem they, like he was a bad guy. <laughs> they never really say what it is. He, yeah, he they, just, they, when, they when allude he, to some details, but that's When it. he rescues him from Ackroyd, who's about to assassinate uh, mm-hmm. Mitchell Ryan, mm-hmm. when he, like, cuts him off and 
get tells him to get in the car and they pull up to the house, he mentions that he was his he was about to testify. Yeah, yeah. So we have no idea what it sure. is. Oh yeah, maybe he was. They, they also uh, kind of allude to something when he first comes to pick Debbie up for the dance for the uh, reunion, and he comes in and has a you know a quick little says hello to Mitchell Ryan. Mm-hmm. There's there's something mentioned there that you can kind of maybe put a couple of things. I was together, trying to read but, into it. I didn't I didn't catch it this time either. Yeah. I was prepared for it because but you know once you figure that out. Yeah. But I ha- I've only seen the movie these two different times, twenty years apart. Yeah, so. yeah. Mitchell Ryan's so great, though. He's yeah, so, yeah, like he's another character actor. He's the guy you've seen in a million things. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly, I know you love him in Lethal Weapon One. Sure, it's my favorite. But uh, great actor, and he can play a super villain or like a you know a father character like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, always, always good to see Mitchell Ryan. I think he's still around. Mm-hmm. I think so. I don't know what he's been up to. He's also like looked like that for fifty years, probably. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that hasn't changed. Him and Alan Arkin are having the same uh, fruit punch. Some guys just hit a certain age, and then they are just that age. Some guys have all the luck. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's ninety today. He, he is he really? Yeah, ninety-one. What was the last thing he was in? Last thing he was in. Check the uh, uh, recomputer. Uh, oh wow! As an actor, as an actor, well, the biggest thing, it, well, Liar Liar was this year too with with. Oh Bruce yeah, Frank he was Link. in Liar Liar. But then um, he did a bunch of TV. Well, he was well, in Dharma and Greg. He was the dad of oh, Dharma right. and Greg and that forever, moved, and that went on through like 2002. Yeah. yeah. So he was that was his last big thing, and then he other just guest, little small guest parts. spots on TV. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but he was in uh, you know all sorts of stuff. Yeah, Judge Dredd. Oh, of course, Ed. That was prior to this. Blue Sky. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> Hot Shots Part Two. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, anyway, going back to the soundtrack. This is a uh, top five. I'm a big soundtrack collector. This is uh-huh. if you merge both versions of it, both volumes of it. This mm-hmm. is a top five soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, all the hits. Yeah, I mean, it's all got the hits. Take On Me, 99 Luft Balloons. Mm-hmm. You got a bunch of songs from The Clash on here. Mm-hmm. A lot of Clash. Uh, Armageddon Time. Mm. Yeah, that's, mm. I don't know, that's kind of how it reads. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, just a really awesome soundtrack. Uh, Blister in the Sun, which I think is played twice in this movie. There's two versions of it. Oh, really? There's like a, a, a slower one. And then, huh. um, of course, Live and Let Die. Uh, the Guns and yeah, this is the Guns and Roses version, isn't it? In this one, yeah, uh, that could yeah, be right. I think you're right. Yep. Okay, you've yep. Uh, a few songs by the Specials, and uh, you get the Ace of Spades in there in the mm-hmm. Ultimart scene, mm-hmm. which, by the way, but, what a fun scene. Yeah. Aside from my friend Duffy being uh, Ultimart Carl, the what a great scene. Mm-hmm. It <laughs> like, just happens. Like he, he pulls up and his house is now an Ultimart <laughs> and his reaction to that. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't know what to do with that. <laughs> and then the just the, and then he comes back and then he, you know, he, the, the giant gun battle. Yeah. Ridiculous gun well, battle. Well, before that, I love when he comes in and he's like he's like what what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. Never yeah. mind, what's done is done. Like, <laughs> like right, right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then uh uh, Benny the Jet shows up and they have that crazy shootout that you get your kind of 
little nod to Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. You caught that, right? Uh, yeah, I did. With the standee and how they blow Sam Jackson's oh, head that's off. Right, 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 right. That's right. I forgot it in the corner there. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Tarantino uh, really was like befriended the guys as they were making this movie and was really wanting to have a like a cameo in it because uh-huh. you know how he, he did that back then. Uh-huh. He would show up in weird movies and yeah. and uh, but for ske- scheduling reasons he couldn't get there in time. Uh-huh. But uh, his this was like the fight scene in the hallway between uh, Cusack and Benny the Jet was his favorite. Like he loves that scene yeah. because it, and it's mostly that one shot where you see the close up like you're close up on Cusack's face and that intensity is they're like really fighting to the death and he pulls the pen out like that's that's the shot that he yeah. really really loves. Huh. But uh, so there's a little homage to Tarantino there. Hmm, I see. I think he actually asked permission to get that Pulp Fiction standee and then yeah. do that. So, <laughs> the, um, yeah, the gun violence is interesting though because even in that scene, and then when Aykroyd and he at the climax are going, it is completely bananas because they're just they, it's like they're like cowboys in an old western, just shooting dual pistols the whole time, like. Which, as far as I know, is a very inefficient way yeah. to try to kill somebody. <laughs> Supposedly, from what I it's heard, so like that was an Ackroyd thing. Yeah. He's yeah. like, these guys would have like endless amounts of guns, and they would just drop them and pull out the next one. Like That's funny. That's cool. Yeah. I, it's just so, it's I, so I, over I, the top. Like, yeah. And like, but it works, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, the whole thing. Because you never, like, Grocer's character is is never like... I don't know. He's not that menacing supervillain. No, no. You know, again, he's just it's, a businessman. He's just a businessman, kind of funny. Mm-hmm. You, but you do see a devious side. Obviously, he's trying to have him killed the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he just shows up with this army of guys. <laughs> yeah, and just running in just ballistic battle. Yeah, and he's having. A, he does have seem to have a good time of it. And it's, it's he's crazy so, too. Yeah, yeah he's know. clearly out of his like yeah. a psychopath, but. <laughs> Like um, popcorn, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, even still, like they can be playful to each other talking. Like, I'm out, you're out. Yeah. And just the just the way that battle ends is so crazy that he's yeah. gonna throw him, just throw him ammo. <laughs> what, for like ten ten thousand? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like gonna sell it. And um, but I just found it funny that like that in the Ultimate scene just blow like. Why have one gun when you just have two just firing constantly? Yeah. yeah. Like, well, that's part of that whole um, yeah. 90s action stuff yeah. that, that was starting to get crazy. Yeah. But they did it. It was all shot. So they didn't shoot it like a real dramatic action-y movie. Like, it's just it's just a gunfight. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's very... It's pretty visceral right. in terms of, like, everything kind of popping around them. But, um, you know, it seems threatening. Yeah. You, know, you stayed... They, I don't know. It's shot well. The um the fight in the hallway, you know that, that I just mentioned was that's like the real emotionally intense fight. Whereas yeah. the gun the gun fights are not as you're not as like emotionally involved with those. You don't think there's a real risk of losing of him losing there. Yeah, I mean but, m- maybe there's a chance he's gonna get shot at the end. Yeah, but the other one like you you don't really feel a sense of danger for him yet. Yeah, um that hand to hand combat is a lot more like okay i don't know what like i don't really know what's gonna happen here yeah but uh yeah another whole side of it that we didn't really talk about too much yet was was the whole reunion side yeah i mean, I mean there's most so of the movie yeah <laughs> it all is built around that but yeah. 
there's so many great moments and you see you know great character pieces there that i think this is another spot where a lot of the improv came in Mm, um bobby beamer was a great yeah you know everyone everyone's got that high school bully yeah and i love how they kind of spun it on its head here Mm -hmm. of how he's got so much anger and he's clearly wasted and you know still drinks and does drugs and but underneath it all like he's actually he's in love with martin blank and that's the whole the, there's a whole backstory oh is that what it is that that's the actual the poem feeling? Yeah, yeah that's for like him him and love like he was in love with martin and what? couldn't show it that's not explicit in the movie right no it just I, seems like he had feelings yeah i think that's i think that's what they're alluding to though really yeah oh I don't but, I mean, mean Kudlitz is great, and he, no, you know, no. you're, you have him for what, like two scenes? Yeah, two scenes. Yeah, they talk about him, they reference him. He's like the big, the, yeah. the car salesman Bobby guy. Bobby Beamer. Bobby Beamer. <laughs> um, and I, you know, when I watched it in high school, I've been like, you should have kicked that guy's ass. Like, <laughs> I would, that, and then as an adult, I'm like, oh no, he handled that exactly like how he should. Oh yeah. Have. Like, saying, do you really think there's a thing here <laughs> that there is an us that we're gonna that with some tension we should fight it out yeah. and all that. Like, oh, yeah, that's actually what the adult would do, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. The appropriate yeah. emotional response <laughs> is to have none. But, um, but yeah, in the reunion, how many different little people do we meet that were part of their world? And, and Yeah, I mean, you, there's a bunch of people. Jenna Elfman's in there. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> He's starting over. He's back in town. His girl is still here. He doesn't. He's back at the dance, yeah. like the dance he could have gone to. Yeah, in a sense, and like, well, what what choice do I do now? And he's just, he's gonna leave all the the other stuff behind. Yeah, and Debbie Debbie's it. Debbie's his home. You know, whatever yeah, and that it, is. it all comes full circle. Yeah, that's it's a great. It's that's the moment. You're right. I think yeah. it's yeah, yeah. You know, and he's lucky. He's you. you he is lucky that he's able to come back to this point that he basically left off at. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, any the sense of timing. If he came back six years after instead of ten or whatever, while well, she's still married or yeah, but it was just you know she she is back in a, a reset point for yeah, herself, exactly. like having gone through things. He's at a reset point where he just did this whole thing, military, going to business for himself, killing people, and like not really. It's not his bag, like yeah, and. Yeah, so she's gone through a marriage and is coming out of that, and she's back at home, and you know, and because maybe because they were able to skip the whole like leaving for college thing and going your separate ways, you know, they had this forced break, but each of them held those feelings for each other and didn't get any resolution. So when they see each other again, you know, there they are. Yeah, you kind of buy the love story that you didn't get to see. You don't have to see it. That, that they were high school like soulmates because it's I mean how many high school love stories maintain and and flourish like you know you, you can meet the love of your life at any point in your life but uh, you don't really know <laughs> the odds are tough for yeah. people who are in love in high school and it's not that they're not in love they're not really in love they are yeah um, but there's a lot more of your life to come that's going to interfere with that. Yeah. So it's hard to make it through all of that and stay with that particular person as you change and grow. I mean, after high school, you still have so much, you know, to do in life that it's natural you're going to change. Yeah. And it's it's if you are still in love with the same that person who's also changing. I mean, then it's just that compatibility thing. Yeah. Of like, man, it, this really worked. Like you, 
you found that person and you both changed together yeah. and you're both still in it. Yeah. And so they, while well, so while Debbie and Martin do it separate, uh, separately and they come together, they find that they're still the person they're presenting to themselves, to each other. I want that person. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that person. Well, and you feel it in that, that scene where they're kind of up above and like looking down at the dance No, oh, yeah, yeah. and where they, you know, she kind of apologizes to him for calling him broken. Yeah. And you feel that like her guards coming down mm-hmm. and, and he's right there kind of waiting for her. So yeah. like that's, that's where like she's letting him in finally. Yeah. She's always, she's always kept them at that distance, yeah. even though like, you know, going to the dance together, like it wasn't, she, she couldn't believe how absurd that idea is. Like yeah. go as a date to, uh, to the, <laughs> to the to same the place reunion. you stood me up at. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. But um, but what a great I mean the whole the whole idea of the the reunion and it was was such a great uh, plot device to build the whole story around. Yeah, well, reunions are a, an important part of uh, you know an American American teen American person's life. Like, yeah, well, you can, and you know any anyone listening to this from uh, from my background, some of my friends listening to this <laughs> know that I'm obsessed with. Uh, with our reunions, I'll admit it. <laughs> I've heard a lot of stories about your reunions. <laughs> I didn't go to high school. There wouldn't. Yet. Well, I will say it. Uh-huh. There probably wouldn't be reunions with, without me getting you were the involved. Guy. Well, um, you were the class president. I'm not right? taking credit for everything, but like uh-huh. I was not the class president because that's the that's that class president's job. Right? It is, but uh, <laughs> well, we are good friends. But uh, she opted to. Uh, she did not want to do duties. It. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can do it if you want, John. Well, it only happened like our tenure only happened because I it was like about the time it should be happening and no one was even bringing it up. Uh, so I was like, "Hey, are you gonna like kick this off? You know, you're gonna start this? No. Uh, okay, I guess I'll do it. Like, so. I've got a great life. I drive a Lexus. I'm not doing this. <laughs> I drive a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no. So we got a little committee together and uh, you know three or four of us and we. We did the ten year. We had a lot of people there, mm-hmm. very formal, but a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we did the twenty year, less formal, mm-hmm. just but uh, not as big of a crowd, but was a lot of fun. Everyone had a, a, like maybe an even better time sure. because the whole formal side of it wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we hit some of our old stomping grounds, and That's and cool. it was. Uh, I was trying to drag you along with me to it, but yeah, uh, I would have loved for to some have reason attended your high school twentieth reu- high school reunion. You would have had a good time. <laughs> no, good, I wouldn't. Good have. people there, hundred percent. Now, <laughs> any big surprises for, at the ten year mark or the twenty year mark? Nothing I can legally talk about. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, <laughs> scandalous. But it's funny how you fall. You know, you see it in the movie here. You fall back into a part of you falls back into those grooves that you were in, like those. Mm-hmm. Like some of these people, like yeah, I hadn't talked to in ten, twenty years, and then we pick up like right where we. You can either opt to like feel the awkwardness or just kind of like knock it out of the way and just be like, yeah, you know, yeah, get into it. So, you're the that there's a part of your brain that can act reactivate from yeah. where you left off. Yeah, it's, it's just, programming. It's all like how yeah. you're programmed. Yeah, it's just going back to that point. Yep. Boink. Yeah, put the needle in the record and let it play out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. And we lived in such a small town that some of it looks exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Like half of it looks identical. Like you would like, is this? If I'm looking at this shot in front of me, mm-hmm. 
is it 1993 or is it 20 you know 18 or 19 mm. uh but then you turn and then other places look completely different so gotcha. like our high school but mm-hmm. anyway i digress no was, <laughs> we were talking reunions that was important we get to know you a little bit better it's every important time. for this movie yeah I, if you bring up your high school reunion on the next episode where we're doing a transformative film is that a hint that's a hint you're you're dropping hints there let's let's hold on let's get hold that animated close to the dust. Okay. <laughs> sorry um so yeah some of the themes in this uh talk to me you know are are really i think well done what kind of themes like do our careers define us yes well okay then. you are your job <laughs> i'm convinced of that and- <laughs> you- you are nothing but a computer programmer, and that is all you have to offer you, everyone. You will fit your role as a working a worker bee yeah. in this country. And of go ours. home and sleep, and come back to work. No, I mean we go. I think uh, every generation has had more careers. You know, each you know the the farther back you go, the you know the more streamlined those career choices are. Yeah. You know, working for one company your whole life, retire with a gold watch, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and then like a woman being a homemaker kind of thing for uh, and then now it's like everyone tries out a lot of different careers. in their Well, we, we've been taught to question that or not yeah. that we've been taught, but we've learned to question that. And, yeah. and if it doesn't work and you're not happy, like you don't have to keep doing that. Well, it's just funny that we're taught like, yeah, you can sort of do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. And then there's some sort of animosity from some in the older generation where it's like, what do you mean you're? you're changing jobs what do you mean you're doing something else like but you you told us but in the us, 80s that's you, what you were telling us you to told do. us we could do whatever we want we just didn't like the first choice yeah uh and you're holding that against us yeah. <laughs> so it's just sort of a you know we have to give ourselves that permission every you know that hey maybe this isn't really what i wanted yeah and i'm not stuck in this choice yeah. and uh, i think in terms of how work and career are considered these days you know it's easier uh, because you know your company doesn't care about you. You're, like, you know, the people within it may, but right. you're still the itself. You could yeah. be laid off at any time. Oh, and yeah. There's nothing you can do about it, um, depending on your career. And uh, you know, so this is Martin Blank. He picked a career choice. He went military, went in business for himself. He's like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to do this. He could probably just he, maybe he just buys like a, a, a you know a beachside bar at a, a on some island and then he just becomes a bartender for ten years. Well, Who and knows? I, I think what he's struggling with is is the fact that his job is to kill people. Yeah. Because that's his job. Does that make him a bad human? Right. Yeah. And he I has think a, yes and no. It's like, well, no, it's just his job. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like you're killing people. Yeah, you have well, to the, take responsibility for that. The way the rest of society works says that you're a bad guy. That's the funny thing about this. Like, shouldn't she? Even though all this, wouldn't shouldn't you turn him in? Like he's he's murdered people. Like, well, and yeah. But her reaction when she find you know when she sees him in the aftermath in the in the hallway, mm-hmm. and then her when she comes to his hotel, like, what is that? I don't know, know what structure he's staying in. It looks like a big giant church or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like a bed and breakfast type thing. Uh-huh. Or, uh, you know, she's trying to process that mm-hmm. because he's been saying it the whole time. Yeah, he's like, been honest he, with everyone. Yeah, what but of course do? they think he's kidding. Yeah. Um, like when her dad So I think she, you know, uh-huh. probably has thought about it. 
but there's a lot going on for her there. Like she's in love with him. You know, she's just admitted to herself that she's still in love with him. Yeah. And realizing what he is and how should she handle it. Right. That, uh, you know, you don't, sometimes you don't choose how you love. Love finds you. <laughs> and so does a killer. A <laughs> killer will find you. Uh, no, it's, but I think the, the, but the whole point is, and I, like I said before, it's like, it doesn't matter what his job is. This, the story is about like who you are. When, right. And then that, that search and that, yeah. And that, and being okay with the dissatisfaction of what you currently are and knowing you can change. Yeah. So the, in the story of the movie, it's just not a real life story. You know, it all, you can make him a, a professional killer. It's yeah. silly. It's yeah, fun. Yeah. So, you know, as we've been talking about, as we've been talking about gross point blank today, I, I was, I was thinking, you know, we haven't, there's one thing we haven't talked about in a while. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know what, why don't you, can you, why don't you come with me over this, right. this corner of the room? Uh-huh. We're going to talk about our friend, Kurt Russell. Oh, let's go to the corner. Kurt's Corner. <laughs> All right. We haven't, uh, Kurt's Corner is a segment. We, we, on some of our early shows, we talked a lot about Kurt Russell and our love for him yeah. and how he's a big element of, uh, some of the, our favorite movies uh, yeah. from growing up and through today. Yeah. And, uh, that love will you never know, die. He, he's a big part of this show. And, and uh, how does he tie into, you could tie him into any movie, really. Yeah. You can, well, let's see if we can do that. Let's see if, yeah. But we're in the corner, so let's, let's hit those, those heavy questions. Uh, first, uh, John, is Kurt Russell in this movie? N- no, no. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's definitely not. Um, but uh, since he's not in this movie, who has the best hair of this whole film? Ooh, that's an interesting uh, choice. Kurt Russell has had some great hairstyles in some of his movies. Um, even it's always the now. best one. It's always the best one. So because he's not, there's different levels. There's left different levels of it because you've got like Stargate crew cut, but then you've got Tango and Cash, like right. <laughs> majestic, majestic lion's mane. mane. Yes. <laughs> um, but in this one. What do you uh, got? I would say I like uh, hmm. I kind of like Dan Aykroyd's crew cut. That crew cut. That, that crew cut because you've never seen him with it before. I don't think. I don't. Uh, maybe not, not that, that short. Not at that age. But Cusack's yeah. hair is good too. Yeah. There's a lot of good hair. Mini Driver's got a lot of curl. You know those I curls. Kinda, are, I kind of like yeah, Mini Driver. Let's I go kinda, with Mini Driver. Mini Driver. That's your yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd probably be like I kind of like Joan Cusack's. Uh-huh. That. I don't know, I, but maybe yeah. I just love the Joan Cusack. I don't know. I could do not. I mean, come on. Um, okay, we did the, the whether or not he's in the movie. We mm-hmm. did the hair question. Yeah. Um, if you could, if could, you could, if you could put, if you could cast Kurt in this movie. Mm-hmm. Who would you Who would you put him as? Huh. I, I think he'd have to be the Dan Aykroyd role. I think that'd be. I think where he'd be. I think there's like two. You know, you could put the older Kurt, like maybe around Poseidon era mm-hmm. Kurt Russell as Dan Aykroyd's character. Oh. You back him up a few years to like Overboard, mm-hmm. Big Trouble. Cues, uh, Kurt mm-hmm. could be Martin Blank. <laughs> you could have Kurt do you versus see him Kurt. As, do you see him as a 28 year old in that? <laughs> I guess maybe. I mean, Kurt. I think John. Or you Cusack could rewind like, even f- further, like like Escape from New York, <laughs> Kurt as Martin Blank. Oh, well, see, yeah, but now no, but like '97, Kurt, and the time. Yeah, that was He'd like um, be, breakdown. I think that's right. Yeah, I think he would. He would be much closer mm-hmm. than that. Uh, 
Yeah, all right. I, I think his most appropriate would be the Dan Aykroyd role. Yeah. Because you really just have a bunch of 28-year-olds and then the dad. You could see Kurt having a lot of fun with that role, too, just like Dan Aykroyd did. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah just kind of maniacal and crazy, yeah. like happy crazy. Uh-huh. You know? He'd make a meal out of every scene, just yeah. like Dan Aykroyd did. Um, and then finally, okay, I'm going to ask you, can you connect John Cusack to Kurt Russell in Hollywood? Have they ever been in a movie together? Cusack and Kurt. No. They Probably. were not yeah, in a movie. I, I believe you're right. Yeah. So let's how quick how closely can you put them together? Cusack and Kurt. Cusack specifically and Kurt. John Cusack. John Cusack, Kurt Russell. I mean I guess you can use the other Cusacks, but they're also in this movie, it's not really fair. I feel like I see a million paths in front of me. Take one. You I'm don't have seeing... to be the most narrow. No, I know. Just start working it out. I'm seeing, okay, 16, we, 16 candles. Cusack was in 16 candles. Yes. Okay. I got it. Go ahead. Uh, Cusack, 16 candles with Harry, De- Harry Dean Stanton. Ah. Harry Dean Stanton wow. escaped from New York. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, that was what? Less than 30 seconds. You nailed it. Yeah. That's great. Uh, so there you go very closely connected sure yeah they're very tight I'm sure there's other paths to it too Michael Rooker was in 8 Man Out Michael Rooker also in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 with Kurt Russell I was thinking for some reason I was really going uh, Cusack being in Stand By Me with Kiefer Kiefer and then how did we get from Kiefer to Kurt is where I was there's gotta be a way I'm sure there's a ton of ways Mm -hmm. hey Malkovich was in Deepwater Horizon with Kurt Russell. Wait, was wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Wasn't was Billy Baldwin in Flatliners? Ooh, I think you might be right. Because so then you got go Kiefer to Billy Baldwin <laughs> in Flatliners, Baldwin to Kurt in Backdraft. I think you might be right. I thought Billy Baldwin was in there. Wait, let's check. I could be wrong. Maybe had, he's not. You had the Kiefer. You had the bacon. Uh, no Billy Baldwin there. William Baldwin. Okay, here there we, we go. go. I remember that poster. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, good times. Oh, what a fun time in the corner. Well, we had a great time in the corner. Kurt, um, you know, we try to, we love Kurt so much, we try to incorporate him into every single show if we can. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, the candle's always lit here in the studio. Candle's under, lit, the so. chair, the golden chariot yeah, awaits. It's always waiting, so it's always, a, it's an ongoing perpetual shrine to Kurt, mm-hmm. uh, whether you hear his name or not. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, back to the movie. <laughs> Should we, uh... How'd this movie do? Should we talk a little B.O., a little box office? Uh, sure, let's do it. We've talked about this year before, 1997. We have. Do you remember what movie we talked about? A little movie called Starship George Troopers. George of the Jungle. <laughs> George of the Jungle. <laughs> when we talked about doing this podcast, that was the first movie you wanted to do. What's the first movie you want to do about it? could do any movie. George of the Jungle. George of the Jungle. You just fired that out so quick. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but uh, it was Starship Troopers, yeah. which you can find in the archives, www.reconcinemation.com. Yeah. Head on over. Yeah. Great. Uh, we argued a little bit on that one. Yeah. Remember we that? didn't. We didn't quite see eye to eye on the troopers. Yeah. But we had fun. But um, this movie was filmed in uh, from January to March of 1996 in Monrovia, California, which is very near to where we are right now. Uh, and I actually have... Because we're in East Monrovia. <laughs> this was West Monrovia. <laughs> uh, it's so funny because I always assumed that this movie was shot in... Like Detroit, Michigan? Michigan, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
and it really seems like it is. Mm -hmm. But I've been in Monrovia a million times, Mm -hmm. been through this street a million times, had never put it together that this is Gross Point Blank right here. Really? And then as soon as I, you know, I didn't, until we started kind of researching the movie, uh, was when I found that out. And I was like, oh my God, I've, I've, been to where the DJ yeah. you know, thing is. You've been so, on that street. Yeah. What were you doing on that street? Confidential. What? It's confidential. You, you and your confidential yeah. stuff. It's uh, private business. Was this recently you were there? It was illegal activities. Okay. okay. It's kind of. I told you. I mean. It was illegal. <laughs> okay. It was illegal. <laughs> I can't tell you how illegal. But right. It was illegal. I mean, it's just hearsay at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So it was actually shot here. They only did. Two shots in the movie are actually in uh, the Gross Point area. Oh, really? And it's the opening the when he's driving into town and when they're driving out. Oh, okay. Those two helicopter shots. Okay. That's it. I love that they like, let's fly there, let's get this going, and we'll get it done. Well, they, you know, traveling, movies are expensive, and traveling um, a whole crew of people and the cast and everything, that's very expensive, and yeah. they... You know, I think Cusack really wanted to do it there, yeah. uh, but they, you know, argued against him to put more money into, you know, need more money in those explosions at the Ultimart and the gun battles, and mm. there you go. Um, so right. in California, it stayed. All right. Uh, they had a budget of fifteen million dollars. Okay. And opening weekend, it did it did okay. It did uh, six point eight million opening weekend. Yes. Uh, it's Not domestic bad. run. I I saw a couple of different numbers. I saw twenty eight and I saw thirty one. Oh really? But hmm. roughly, you know, it, it made twice its budget. It did all right. Yeah. yeah. I think around twenty eight. So say. after all the advertising, which I don't really think there was much advertising for this, um, you know, it it definitely made its money back and made probably a small profit. So I see. Uh, came out April 11th, 1997. Mm-hmm. That's the birthday of a very good friend of mine, Jared. Happy birthday. Why are you releasing that information? Does, maybe he doesn't want that. Well, out it's there. out there now. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> the movie was number four opening Fourth weekend. Of the weekend? Yeah. What uh, What did it open against? Um, only one other movie. It, was, uh, it opened up against a little movie called Anaconda. Oh, don't want none. <laughs> Anaconda opened at number one that weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were still some big movies out there. Liar, Liar, and The Saint and the were Saint. both... Uh, With Val Kilmer? Yes. I think Liar, Liar was its second week, I want to say, and The Saint was maybe a month in. Actually, it was the fourth weekend of yeah. Liar, Liar. <laughs> oh, I had the, sorry, I had that Saint. flipped. Yeah, yeah about Saint. a month for Liar, Liar. Yeah. But, and that was still number two, I think. Yeah, it was two. It made 14 yeah, that was, million. Jim Carrey was still so huge at that point. Yeah, insane. Um, but this movie, you know... For being a movie that wasn't highly advertised with a star who was kind of on the rebound, mm-hmm. um, snuck in there and I think did pretty well. Yeah, sure. I think it's totally respectable for what it was kind of up against. Yeah. Uh, it was number 74 of 1997. Yeah, tough one. That is a, But that's a big year. A lot of big movies came out. Yeah, Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Uh huh. Two, two high school mov- reunion movies yes. in one year, and they went head to head. Listen to this. Go ahead. Both had two volume soundtracks. What? All of those volumes were amazing. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, they both can't. And it's funny. Both movies were distributed by Buena Vista. 
I guess they had a they had a thing. They sounds like they had a thing. That that guy in charge of that the music, the Buena Vista <laughs> music, he made a killing. He yeah, whoever he or she was, mm-hmm. uh, we should find that person and hire them to just work here at Recon <laughs> Cinema Studios. <laughs> just pick out music and play it all day. Oh yeah, but yeah, no, I mean it's a bit it's a big movie year. Yeah. Just, it, uh, just, this is this is it. This is the '90s, late '90s. It's yeah, blockbusters all day. Well, it had '97 had you know one of the biggest movies of all time came out. Yeah, I mean it came out in December, and ran Still for 97. ran for 13 months. <laughs> That's all <laughs> I think. That's all, and to make all that Easy. money. But uh, of course, your Men in Black, your Jurassic Park twos, your Liar Liars. Yeah, well, number one is yeah. Titanic, right? Well, Titanic, and then you've got what Lost World number two, uh, Men in Black. Men in Black number three? Men in Black two. Oh, okay. Wait, Men in Black number two. Men in Black beat Lost World? By uh, 20 million, yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, that was a big, it was Will Smith, this was it. This was yeah. Will Smith's peak. Well, we talked about that on our Independence Day episode, which you can listen to in the archives, yeah. how uh, Will Smith was Mr. Fourth uh, of July. Mr. Fourth of July for like five years. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you had Air Force One, as good as it gets, good Will Hunting, yep. Manny Driver. Um. Yeah, that came out in December as well. Con Air, don't forget about that. Face Off. Con Air, sure. Scream 2. Oh, yeah, Scream 2, right. George of the Jungle. Made... Was Scream 1, that was 96, wasn't it? Like, Was it like immediately before? Maybe. Scream, uh, they, Scream 2 happened very quickly. That's probably why I think it's not very good. Oh, you're but... right. Scream Scream came out December 96. Yeah. Scream 2 came out December 97. Yeah. That, wow, that they was... turned that around. <laughs> That's... Why it's not so great. Jerry Jerry O'Connell, I think, was in uh, Scream 2. Just yes. want to throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> just, it was also in Stand By Me with yeah. John Cusack. John Cusack. But all, everything's full circle. But, but um, uh, yeah, this was the... I was looking up Hitman, movies with starring Hitman. Mm-hmm. This is number 31 as far as box office goes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you're ranking the Hitman movies. What a metric. <laughs> Wait, do you know what the number one Hitman movie is? Uh, I would say Pulp Fiction. No, that's no. up there. That's eighth. But now you go with Jason Bourne and the Bourne Ultimatum. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. And then Mr. and Mrs. Smith made a ton of money. Brad Pitt. Of course it did. And Angelina. Anyway. Um. But yeah, it, good. so some money, obviously a, a solid yeah. solid movie for that should have uh, kept people interested. Uh, yeah. Studios this, happy with that. I yeah. Think. And then what? I mean, critics, were they in love with this thing? What's going on? They, um, Yeah, actually, they really liked it. Uh, Peter Travers from Rolling Stone and Roger Ebert, they all uh, gave mostly positive reviews. They, they really loved all the actors and, yeah. and their performances together. Um, they had some... Uh, <laughs> they had some issues with the ending. I think they didn't maybe didn't want the happy ending. No, I see. That you get here? Yeah, yeah. It is a, a Hollywood forced. ending. Yeah. yeah, it's like suddenly you get this. You have a really different movie the whole time, and then suddenly you get like, yeah. they win, and then they run off happily she, ever after. I mean, she hated him, and that was where things were left. And then it's only because he came and saved their lives that she turned around. Well, he also gets an opportunity to explain himself that's a little true. bit. Yes, he so monologues I, through it. Yeah, and which, she's forced to hear it. So. Yeah, she has to listen to him. Yeah. That's a good point. That's the thing. that The screenplay's very tight about character motivations everything they're doing why they inter- why they clash into each other every character and everything just makes sense everything works it's mm-hmm. very it's it's so tight and yeah. well done I, yeah I, 
I, I ended up loving this movie a lot. Seeing it now, this twenty years later, now, yeah, you know, it, I thought I wasn't going to enjoy it as much just because I didn't enjoy it the first time. I really just didn't. I didn't like. I don't know. It's kind of where you are in your life. I think it's one of those movies yeah. that you once know, you go through that experience, so having lived a similar kind of you know existential crisis of identity at a certain point after you know being seventeen uh as an adult yeah and like yeah totally you can put yourself in his shoes not that you are an assassin or anything but in your own life like whatever your job is substitute his job for yours and you can i think i think a lot of us have been through that yeah exactly like they said this movie could have been about any guy with any career and but uh uh, yeah yeah well you know really it's one of uh it's one of cusack's best as i've mentioned before if if not the best, it's, yeah, I'm it's gonna up there. I'm gonna go out there that top three. Oh, absolutely, top yeah. two. I mean, to me, it's it's uh, it's this. Say anything, better off dead. Cool. I mean, you know, if you're looking for the real like Cusack style, mm-hmm. you know, those are, those are the movies. Mm-hmm. And then High Fidelity would be like number four because it's very Ugh. yeah. <laughs> It's a little. That one's a little more like really in his head, and it's mm-hmm. very like kind of male driven. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess. I mean, it's just yeah, right. I don't know how interesting it is. I'd probably have to watch it now. It's as not. An adult. It's not as. En- it, I, I like it. It's not as engaging mm-hmm. as uh, some of these other ones. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. has a really good mix of a lot of different elements. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really like he's carrying high fidelity, whereas this you have other people that are he can lean on. Mm-hmm. You know, Mini Driver, Dan Aykroyd, Alan Arkin, that are really great supporting roles. But, um, mm-hmm. 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 yeah, I mean, if you you know, if you look at other movies about hitmen, I I struggle with getting and you know emotionally invested in those. But this is one I definitely can get into. Yeah, um, it was. I think it might be my favorite Hitman-related movie. Hmm. I guess if uh, if I'm looking at it, that's probably that's probably for me. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much with you on that. Yeah, yeah. The um, I haven't seen John Wick though, so I don't know. Everyone loves that movie. People say it's good. Yeah, I gotta see this. Yeah. The uh, so they made a movie in 2007 or eight uh, called War Inc., which is kind of an unofficial sequel to this really now i always thought that there's a lot more you can do a lot more with martin blank and this whole story Mm -hmm. uh war inc it's a lot of the creative team behind gross point blank a lot of the same actors as in gross point blank Mm. he basically plays martin blank really i mean again same thing as i said before about his other movies he has a different name Mm -hmm. there are technically different characters but he's another hitman who's on you know it it's involves the middle east and deals that are being made there and how he gets wrapped up in it but he's got a secretary that's Joan Cusack mm-hmm. um it's very much a spiritual sequel to gross point blank but um i don't know if it's just different time different circumstance it it's the movie really doesn't work yeah. it's not very good it didn't you know it didn't really get much of a release mm-hmm. um i wouldn't recommend it he's good but the story's kind of weak okay um not as engaging there's no debbie there's no personal element you can identify with which is so what makes the gross point blank so awesome Mm -hmm. 
But I do think that there's completely room for a sequel. I was always surprised that they never made a true sequel. Um, you know, there's there's so much story there, and obviously he's got so much history that something could back could come back to haunt him or whatever. But that yeah. would be a little Hollywood of it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know um, if I'd want to see that. But you know, I could see him. You know, at t- ten years or twenty years further down the road. He's clearly a person who questions where he is in his life. Mm-hmm. What if he's doing that again? Sure. So. Yeah. You're I right. Know, I could, yeah. I don't know. Sure. I could see it. All right. Maybe I'll call. Chip. <laughs> bring me the red phone. I th- <laughs> the red. That one. Stop that's, using that's the interns. That's Cusack on it. Just, just, just reach over and grab it. You always call the interns in to grab it's phones. It's two feet away. I can't get it. Oh, my gosh. Uh... <laughs> No, I don't. Yeah, I, don't, I disagree. I don't. We, Martin Blank's story's been told. We don't. I think it's that thing you would need to see at the spiritual sequel of it. And unfortunately, well, I guess as you say, War Inc. is not quite there. But well, um, they could have. I wonder if they went there. If they like, this is Martin Blank, and they like, you know, really embraced it instead of yeah. kind of half-hearted. But you if know, that would have changed. But anything. Martin Blank isn't isn't necessarily Lane from Better Off Dead. You know, like in the sense, like there could be. But it's it's John Cusack. But it's, you're right. Like you, yeah. Uh, but they're all see, him. So whoa! What's Martin Blank and Debbie up to again? <laughs> I want to know. I don't know. I'm gonna find out. You should call. call. I, that's why I'm getting the red phone wheeled over Cusack to me. Cusack doesn't know. But he knows. Call George. It's him. George knows. Um. Anyway. Yeah, Cusack. Though you know, we talked about his movies after this. You know, or not after this, but kind of in the last ten years, not. Um, not a lot to write home about. He's had some good performances. Yeah, he's great. He was good in The Butler when he played Nixon. Okay. Um, yeah. he, a few other good roles, but... Uh, sure. And I'm sure he's got more coming at us down the road. He's I, a busy guy. I always have a soft spot for Cusack. I'll always give him a chance. He's doing that uh, mo- that show for Amazon Prime, I think. Utopia. Is that right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how. I don't know a lot about it. I don't know what role he's gonna have. What kind of size of a role? But uh, yeah, no, he he works every year. I mean, he keeps busy. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. So he's very political. Gets. uh, He's also political on the Twitter and stuff. I liked him in Hot Tub Time Machine. That was a nice little nice little eighties throwback. That was a fun movie, and it's funny because they go back to nineteen eighty six, which is yeah ten years prior to To, Gross Point Blank. Right. That's where. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But that's like the year we sort of meet him in Hollywood. Right. So he's back to 16 Candles kind of. Oh, yeah. Totally. So totally there. Um, full circle. So I think we're in agreement this movie holds up over time. Yeah, see it. Yeah. Take your friends. Take Bring your friends over. Bring, you know, you know actually, I'm going to give him a little plug because Cusack is doing is currently doing a tour where he's doing he's – doing Q&As and screenings of a lot of his older stuff. And he's done... Oh, neat. He did Gross Point Blank uh, in Riverside here a few a few months ago. He just... Uh, I think he's doing... Was he, He's doing something in Denver. Uh, it might be Better Off... Oh, no, he just did Better Off Dead in Chicago. Oh, nice. And then I think he's doing... It might be Say Anything in Denver. Oh, very cool. So yeah. it's cool. He hasn't been very like public about talking about a lot of his films. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the first times that he's really going to be out there like talking about his experience and he's was pretty closed before and now he's kind of opening up that's cool um so yeah so that's cool but this movie this movie i think holds up great it's a little 90s uh it feels a little you know with all that 80s music in it <laughs> well 
No, like the wardrobe and just the oh, yeah. you know the way it's shot. It's it's a little yeah. It's it's a little nineties, but that doesn't. I'm not. I don't hold it against it. No, there's nothing right. There. Um, everything else ages, I think, great. There's heart. There's emotional depth that that carry the movie. I agree. Um, you know, and it's a movie that I think a lot of people have forgotten about. So it's a little been a little bit lost to time. With other gangster and and hitman movies, what? And, <laughs> what? Do you think people are like looking it up at the the box art for Born Ultimatum and Gross Point Blank, and they're like, "Well, I want to watch a hitman movie." Well, I think that's possible. Uh, I'll yeah. go to Jason Bourne here <laughs> when they're holding the two videos in the video store <laughs> yeah. as you're you're gesturing because they'd be right next to each other. In the no, video but you store. don't like. I don't think it's str- really a popular streaming movie. Is it even? Who knows if it's streaming? You I don't see it. I think it had a nice anywhere. I think it had a nice life in rental and yeah. and, and cable and all that. I, people yeah. know Gross Point Blank. I think they they would point to it like a, like we are sort of a, a top Cusack mu- movie yeah. uh, overall but he's not you know he's not at the forefront of anybody's mind anymore he's his star isn't as you know his star power certainly isn't that high anymore so yeah so uh, let's give him a plug i think okay. people should watch this yeah. go go find it out you know check it from prime check and see if it's on hulu or hell? netflix okay. or <laughs> go to the library yeah or if you're in the Pasadena area, go to Video Tech. Grab over, yeah, head over, check it out, see what they got. Love that place. <laughs> you can pre-rent your movies. Yeah, pay pay for ahead of time. Just yeah, the world price. is yours when you walk in there. Yeah, find your local video store because there's a few out there. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's Gross Point Blank, guys. Uh, thanks for uh, listening yeah. this week. We uh, always appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, we want to thank uh, our friends Curtis Moore and mm-hmm. EK Wimmer for the the artwork and the theme music. And yes. check out EK's podcast, Laser Graves. Uh, always a fun listen Hilarious. on that one. Good times, good times with EK and uh, his partner. Yeah, it's fun. And ch- check out uh, check us out on Facebook on Maria. Twitter. It's Maria, I think. Yes. Anyway, sorry. Uh, check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us mm-hmm. a five star review mm-hmm. on iTunes. You know, it always helps. It Show gets, us a little love. It'd yeah. be all right on the the review side. We love yeah. that stuff. Uh, but otherwise, you know, you know, you know, go out there, treat each other right, find those loves that you've lost, say hello, and don't kill anybody today. And don't kill anybody today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you have to kill someone, make sure they're trying to kill your girlfriend. And then, <laughs> You might win her over. <laughs> that's, a, right. that's my big takeaway that, from this movie. Yeah, okay. How to cool. find true love. That works. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another exciting episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye now. <laughs> <laughs>